and uh, they were unique, you know, blue-eyed, blonde, conquered everything, great commitment to law and freedom and so on. And they emerged there, and then they started moving. They moved west. Everything's got to be west. So they moved to, the, to Germany, to the black forests, and there they became the Teutons, who were a perfect race. Uh, but then difficulties began, because some of them intermarried with the peoples near them, and so the race degenerated. And then you get the people of the Mediterranean, you know, kind of dirty. And Welcome to the underworld. I love America. It's been my home all my life. Ladies and gentlemen, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Access America. This is your history. This is your country. This is America. Join us in listening to some of history's America's best speeches. Created by Jarcodes Productions. Go back in time with us right now on Public Access America. But the real good ones just exterminated everyone. So they kept the purity of the race. And, uh, and the, the, the good ones became the Angles and the Saxons who went to the English Channel and then crossed it and exterminated everyone and they maintained racial purity. They didn't get rid of all the Celts. Some of them hung around in Ireland and places like that, but they did a pretty good job of it. And then after that, they went to, uh, the colonists came to America going west uh, and uh, that's us, you know. We're the Anglo-Saxons, uh, and you get it in Thomas Jefferson. Uh, you know, like it's it's universal in the 19th century. We're the Anglo-Saxons. Uh, Jefferson and others thought we ought to go back to the 8th century before the race was poisoned by, you know, immigration to England from elsewhere than the Norman Conquest, when they had the perfect system of laws and the most just uh, so-and-so. Uh, and, and the racial characteristics were pretty precise, like Benjamin Franklin. Uh, he didn't think the Germans qualified. He said they were a little too swarthy, you know, but, uh, and they didn't pick up our customs properly. Uh, so, as, uh, and then by the time you get to, and of course the, the Native Americans, well, obviously an inferior race, so therefore it was right to exterminate them. And as Roosevelt pointed out in the quotes that I mentioned, it was, they were the beneficiaries of our exterminating them, uh, just like the Filipinos and so on, because that was a sacrifice to create a, superior race and so on. I mean, racism in the United States is not just anti-black racism. It's far deeper. Uh, and that's why every wave of immigrants has been treated with real racial abuse. I mean, take, say, Boston, like I mean, a century ago, no, a century and a half ago in Boston, uh, the Irish were uh, 
considered like dogs. You know, you'd have uh, restaurants with uh, signs saying no dogs are Irish. And uh, the average lifespan of an Irish male was, I, I think, under 20 years old. You know, uh, and the, the so-called Huns were treated the same way. Everyone from Southeastern Europe, uh, the Jews, the worst were the Chinese. The first total exclusion, racial exclusion act was against the Chinese. They were afraid of them. Uh, but then comes along the move to the West, you know, after you've conquered the national territory, conquered Mexico, superior race, and so on. You have to move West. Uh, then comes 1898, conquer steel, basically, Hawaii, conquer the Philippines, kill a couple hundred thousand of them. And then the idea is to go on to China. At that point, Theodore Roosevelt made one of his major contributions, which laid the basis for the Pacific Wars of the Second World War. Uh, he designated the J Japanese as honorary Aryans. Uh, so they were not, they looked yellow, but they really weren't. So they could be civilized, and they could sort of pave the, our way into China and the East, and we'd keep going until we circle the Earth and get back to our original homeland. You know, wherever it was, like Iran or something. Uh, and, and, you know, you re this, this is a dominant ideology. It's all over the place, you know. Uh, so, yeah, conquest of Mexico was part of that. There was another reason for it. Uh, you're supposed to, I mean, you've taken economics courses, I guess, those of you who had the tragedy of going to college or something. So if you take an economics course, you read Adam Smith. Actually, you worship Adam Smith. You don't read him. If you read him, you learn things that you're not supposed to know. But uh, for example, he was against division of labor. That's not supposed to know that. But uh, he did give advice to the United States, to the new colonies. And his advice to them was exactly the advice, pretty much, that econ economists today give to the third world. He said, you've got to follow efficient principles in the United States if you want to develop. And efficient principles mean you pursue your own comparative advantage. The term hadn't yet been introduced, but he described it. Is do what you're good at, like raising fur and you know, catching fish and so on, and rely on superior British manufacturers. Uh, that gives economic efficiency. It's exactly what we tell the world. Uh, and he said, furthermore, you, you know, you happen to have a lot of resources there, but don't monopolize them. Now, the major resource in those days was cotton. Cotton was kind of like oil today. It was the fuel of the Industrial Revolution, which started off everywhere with textiles. So you guys grow a lot of cotton, but don't monopolize it because uh, monopolies are economically inefficient. You know, you can prove that. Now you can prove it with theorems, then you could just prove it without theorems. But, uh, so that was the advice. Well, you know, the United States did manage to shake off the British, so it didn't have to follow sound economic principles. And therefore, uh, Alexander Hamilton uh, created an import substitution economy. The US forgot about comparative advantage. They had very high tariffs to keep out superior British goods. This went right through the 19th century. It was able to develop a textile industry and a steel industry had the highest tariffs in the world. This went on to the mid 20th century. Uh, and uh, as far as monopolies were concerned, the US tried hard to monopolize cotton. That's what the 
the Mexican Texas annexation and the Mexican War were largely about. The idea of the Jacksonian Democrats, Polk and Tyler and those guys, is that if we can conquer these areas, we will be able to get a monopoly over cotton production, and we'll be able to bring the British to their knees. Remember, the British were the big enemy. They were the powerful country in those days. So we'll be able to bring them to, our, to their knees by monopolizing cotton. In fact, what they were doing is what Saddam Hussein was accused of doing crazily when he invaded Kuwait. You remember the line, he's going to conquer Saudi Arabia and take all the oil and you know, we'll be all dead for some reason. Well, that was a, that was a, a fantasy. But uh, what happened with the cotton was not a fantasy. And that was a substantial part of the reason for uh, uh, conquering uh, uh, Tex Texas, stealing and then stealing what's now California, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, uh, parts of Utah and you know, the whole Southwest. I mean, there were other reasons, like the racial, racist reasons, uh, but this was a part of it. So th there's a lot, uh, history is actually an interesting topic, like you said. There's a lot of interesting things in it if you don't stay with what you're taught in school and you actually look into what happened. So yeah, you should know about the Mexican War. It was 1846 to 48. Yeah. Colombia is the... Uh, yeah, uh, Colombia has far and away the worst human rights record in Latin America since around 1990. After, you know, through the 80s, the worst atrocities were carried out by the U.S.-backed dictatorships. El Salvador, you know, Guatemala was probably the worst, and so on. Uh, through the 90s, Colombia got the championship, became the leading human rights violator, and. Almost reflexively, it became the leading recipient of U.S. military aid in the hemisphere. Now, Colombia has a long history of uh, violence and uh, terror and so on. It took off again in the 90s, and it uh, became the leading recipient of U.S. military aid uh, outside of uh, Turkey. Turkey was carrying out even more atrocities, so they were ahead of Colombia. By the late 90s, the Turkish atrocities declined and Colombia moved into first place. Actually, I'm putting aside Israel and Egypt, which are a separate category. But outside that category, uh, uh, Colombia won the championship in the Western Hemisphere and then in the world by the late 90s. Now, that was called Plan, Plan Colombia. It was a Clinton plan. Uh, it was technically directed against, it was supposedly directed against drug trafficking. But it's, uh, it's, it's mostly counterinsurgency. I mean, I actually have been down there in southern Colombia. It's, uh, it, it's a miserable place. You know, the, uh, the peasants down there are uh, the campesinos, you know, the um, Afro-Colombians, uh, indigenous people are being attacked by everybody you can imagine. Uh, they're being attacked by the military, by the paramilitaries. Uh, uh, now they're being attacked by FARC the guerrillas. Uh, one of the, probably the only real achievement of Plan Colombia, Clinton's Plan Colombia, was to militarize the conflict so completely that the guerrilla movements, which had some kind of a social base and social programs, just turned into another army preying on the peasants. So now they're under attack by all of them, but probably the worst of all is uh, uh, the U.S. Air Force, or actually you know, it's called the Colombian Air Force, but the U.S. planes uh, probably mercenaries flying them, who are carrying out chemical warfare uh, and just destroying everything. Uh, 
It's called fumigation, and it's supposedly you know, it's supposed to kill coca plants, uh, but of course it kills everything else too. And what it does is drive the peasants off the land. Uh, and Colombia now has the second largest displaced persons population in the world after Sudan. They're all off in the slums somewhere around, you know, around the cities. And as soon as they're driven off the land, in come the uh, the big mining corporations, you know, to, uh, and uh, agribusiness, and uh, you know, Monsanto with uh, you know, monocrop, genetically modified agriculture, and uh, ranches run owned by rich people, and so on. And it's a real horror story, actually. Just to tell you, person, I mean, I was supposed to go down there right after Christmas, but just a couple of days ago, I was told by human rights activists that it's too violent to go. There, so I just, you can't go right now. Uh, well, okay, that's called pacification or something. The, but Colum the Colombian government is the one close U.S. ally. It stands out from the region, uh, and that's why the bases went to Colombia. Uh, this, this question of uh, the drugs is something that really ought to be thought about. I mean, it is taken for granted in the United States that we have the right to establish military bases in other countries uh, to send uh, uh, troops in, and um, CIA and DEA agents and so on, to get them to stop producing a product that we don't like. Now, you know, hard drugs aren't good for anybody, but if you compare it with, say, tobacco, I mean, it's, it's undetectable. Deaths from tobacco are way higher than deaths from all the hard drugs together, and you know, soft drugs like like uh, cannabis, marijuana. You know, maybe it's not good for you, but the, it's not a killer. Uh, furthermore, tobacco kills other people. Like more, way more people die from passive smoking than die from uh, hard drugs. Passive smoking, meaning you're around somebody who's smoking. Hey, Petey, have you heard about this new podcast, Public Access America? You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Player FM, TuneIn Radio, and even the Stitcher Smart Radio app. It's so cool. Not good enough. But are you a German spy? Because that sounds like technology. It's like that new thing, the radio, or a newspaper for your ears. You can even follow their production company, Jar Codes, on Twitter or Facebook and find all new episodes posted every day. Oh, that's cool. I don't care nothing about no planes, but I gotta hear the latest episode of Public Access America now. Oh, watch the bomb. You can even go to their YouTube channel at Public Access America and find great videos from our time. It's so cool. Go check out Public Access America.